Um, so today's title is How to Be Content or How to Find Contentment in the NIV version of the scripture that uh, John so, uh, what's the right word, so eloquently, no not eloquently, nobly, um, there was some nobility about the way you read John, I think I'm going to say that, uh, the way you read, thank you very much. Um, and uh, in, but, uh, you, the, the word content doesn't appear in the Tran, uh, the translation you were using uh, and in fact the word content is not in the Hebrew but it is in the NIV and I think the word is trying to convey that that quietness of soul that's what the uh, this psalm is all about it's about a quietness of soul a, a contentment a peace a place of of rest and uh, that's what we're talking about today that sense of being content what does it mean to be content so let me ask you a question put something in the chat box if you don't mind um, what does it mean to be content how does it feel to be content? What does it mean to be content? If you're, if you're a, a contented person, how does it feel? What does it mean? What brings you contentment? Let's have a little bit of sharing here in the, in my chat box here. Penny says calm. Yeah, contentment, calmness, that sense. Okay, peaceful and happy, I like that. Yeah, being happy with what you have. That is content, isn't it? Yeah, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Thank you. Peaceful and happy, Kate. Contentment is a sense of peace. Yes, peace. To be happy with what I have, Anetta. Thank you. Uh, happy whatever the circumstances. Hmm, yeah, thanks, Olivier's. Fulfilled, Dan. Yeah, fulfilled. That's another good word, isn't it? Satisfied. Michael, thank you. A sense of lightness. Oh, I like that. Uh, Lizelle and whoever else is with you there. Uh, a sense of lightness, so an the opposite of heaviness, I suppose. Not feeling weighed down, not striving for more, Barry and Kate. Mm, being content with what we have. Joy despite circumstances. Mm, Heinrich, yeah. Gratefulness, gratitude, gratefulness. Yeah. Yannette, a feeling that everything will be okay. Yeah, even if it's not right now, perhaps, but a contempt, you can have a contentment knowing that it will be. Trust in God, thank you. Mm. All of these things I'm seeing here, they're, they're all making a good prayer list, I think, of things to pray for and pray about, aren't they? Okay, let me move on, and if you want to put other things in, that's fine. Anetta, to know constantly that God cares for me no matter what. Yeah, you know, contentment is, is a lot of things to different people. Let me show you something that brought me contentment yesterday. Um, this is my in-tray. Look at it. It is empty. That is a miracle of God. It was full. I, I have it. <laughs> I keep my in-tray out of sight because it depresses me. So it lives under this desk, under a shelf, hidden under the bottom there where no one can see it I can't see it until I happen to glance under there and I see that it is spilling over with receipts and papers and things to be read things to be filed and I looked under there yesterday and it was it was an abomination that was just there was desolation and so I had to come out and yesterday I spent quite a long time sitting right here filing scanning throwing away all kinds of things but I at the end of it I was my heart was light whoever said light you know I had a light spirit because it was empty and there we go long may it continue though I'm not sure it, it will um there are certain things that bring us that sense of peace and contentment the goal of life the goal what part of the goals of having a relationship with God is to be able to live in contentment 
the goal of the Christian life isn't just to go to heaven. The goal of the Christian life is to live in contentment in the here and now so that other people, uh, so that we experience that closeness with God, but also so that other people can see there's a better way to live, a bit of perhaps both of those things. Now let's talk about the psalmist here. We do not know exactly what caused him to write the psalm, but we would imagine from verse 1 that if he's saying, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty, I do not, do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, he's going to write that because he had been doing that. So he's gone from a place of pride, haughtiness, and concern with great matters that aren't really his concern. He's gone from that place to a place where now he is calmed, quieted, content, and can call others to put their hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. So he's he's gone from his problem situation, found the solution or refound the solution, the way to handle it, and then he's able to give an insp- inspiration to other people. So he's not proud, but he is content. Therefore, he has vision for other people and perhaps for his own life. And that's one of the things we're going to be talking about today. See, hope, living in hope is not possible without contentment. If we want to be people of hope, and the Bible calls us to be people of hope, that we have the opportunity to live in hope, hope because of what God has done for us and where God is taking us, we, you can't live in that hope unless you're content. Because if we're not content, we're caught up in our own lives and hearts and minds with all the things that we're not content about, and, and that's what absorbs us and dominates us, and therefore we're no longer living in hope. And that's a sad place to be, isn't it? I don't say this is easy. What This psalm is short, right? It's uh, three verses. It's one of the shortest psalms. But it has such depth that I think we're going to be learning about this for the rest of our lives here on earth. The famous uh, Baptist preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, said this about the psalm. He said, this psalm is one of the shortest psalms to read, but one of the longest to learn one of the shortest to read and one of the longest to learn. In other words, it takes a long time for its truth to sink in. And we have to do a lot of spiritual work to learn its, its, its treasures, perhaps, before they become ours. So let me talk briefly about perhaps the things that cause us not to be content. And we can make a long list, I'm sure. But one of the reasons we are not content is because of comparisons we make, unfavorable comparisons we make between ourselves and other people. We forget that God loves us who, as for who we are. And no one else, despite their gifts and talents and however impressive that might be, no one else is loved more than you or I with God. We are, we are, we are accepted for who we are, not for who we could be or will be. When we compare ourselves with others, we do not believe that God accepts us as we are. That's one of the challenges, and we lose our contentment. Another thing connected with that is the domination of anxiety and fear. When we're anxious and fearful, we can't be content. Um, and we have a lot to be anxious about. We have a lot to be disturbed about right now, both globally, whether it's COVID-19, whether it's the issues surrounding racism, whether it's other economic issues, <coughs> excuse me, or our own personal challenges with health and jobs. Aneska and I were talking before we started here about her search for a job. These things dominate, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be significant to us, but when we give in to the anxiety, we are really saying God is not enough, and God, God cannot be trusted. We need to realize 
we get to a good place. We're enabled to in, to live in contentment when we come to the realization that we are not in control and that we cannot manipulate God to get us what we want. There's a temptation in every human heart to desire to be in control. And since we're Christians, some of that spills over sometimes into our desire to try and control God, to get, get him to give us what we want. This is an old covenant way of living. If, or not even old covenant really, but it's, it's a pagan way of living. That as long as I do the right things and live the right way, God will give me what I want, what I need, but usually translated as to what I want. So I'll get the uh, promotion, I'll get the financial needs, I will get my uh, health sorted out, I'll, my children will become Christians and they'll marry Christians and they'll have Christians and they'll have more Christians and children. And it'll, it'll all work out the way I want. We... We, we won't get contentment that way because our contentment then depends upon God doing what we want when we click our fingers. And we cannot control God. And when we realize we can't control him, and it's just as well we can't because we're human, then we have a choice to make as to whether we ultimately trust that God has our best interests at heart or not. And if we can't trust that God has our best interests at heart, we're not going to find contentment. In other words, God has to be enough rather than the rewards of being a Christian. There are rewards for being a Christian, or there are blessings that come from the Christian life, but they can't be the focus of our relationship with God. Think about all the people in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant who had pretty miserable lives in terms of material uh, blessings and nice circumstances in life. There were so many who didn't. There are some things that God doesn't tell us. We have to get content with that. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things, revealed to, the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. There are some secret things God is not going to tell you and me, no matter how much we beg him. We have to be content with that. Selfish ambition can be a major problem for contentment. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 8. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. A miserable business. <laughs> it does sound miserable. Selfish ambition leads us to misery and a lack of contentment. Not to say that ambition is wrong. The Apostle Paul was very ambitious. He talked about pressing on to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 3. The issue is not ambition. The issue is selfish ambition. There are many reasons why we lack the contentment that could be ours that's on offer. So what's the solution? Let's talk about a couple of solutions and then we'll have our breakout groups. The solution seems to be what he talks about in verse 2. I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Okay, so I'd like some sharing here um, about this from mothers. Not being a mother, I suspect I don't fully grasp what this is saying. I was a child and I was a weaned child, but um, that was a long time ago and I don't have many recollections of that. So I'm just wondering from mothers whether you wouldn't mind popping something in the chat box about what this means to you. When you think about your experiences, perhaps of breastfeeding and then weaning a child, for those of us who've had that privilege, okay, the child has accepted its fate, no more breast milk, okay, it's like it's had enough, it's accepted that, okay, yeah, weaning is hard work, yeah, <laughs> says Roman, I would trust you on that, 
it's emotionally difficult letting go as a mum, I guess, right? Is that Bronwyn what you're saying? It's emotionally difficult to let go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine that, Michael. When a child has been weaned, it's full and is full. It's calm, it is calm and usually falls asleep. Isn't that a lovely moment when your child's eyes are beginning to droop and they droop and they droop and you see that as you look at that young child and then they finally they, the eyes go and they're they're just content. It's a beautiful thing. One of the most beautiful things in the world. Letting go, trusting that you are there to support, but do not own that life. Okay, so it's a separate life to your own. That's an interesting thought. Thank you. When a baby has finished feeding and is replete. Now there's a good word. Replete. Yeah. There's peace there. Being filled enough to be able to sleep, to be calm, to be at peace. I mean, children fuss when they're hungry, right? Some adults fuss when they're hungry. Some of us hangry now and again. But when a baby's finished feeding is replete, usually with a little milk still dribbling from their mouth. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> oh, we uh, those of us who are parents and have seen this, we, it, there's a beautiful. It's a beautiful sight to see a mum and a child and a child at peace. Uh, unspeakable peace when a baby is calm and fed. Weaning them takes longer, though. Yeah, that's right. Dawn, I no longer had to meet their need every few hours when they're weaned. They're full for longer, which left us both content. Not a stillness, more an absence of demand. They are satisfied and play happily. That's an interesting insight, Dawn and everybody. Not a stillness, more an absence of demand. I do think this is something that the psalmist is getting at here, that we don't have demands of God. We quiet ourselves understanding we are loved and that God is sovereign and, and has things in hand. So we don't demand. Demand and, con and contentment don't go together, do they? Good point. The baby is totally surrendered, surrendered to the mother, meeting their need. This is great. Thank you. I mean, continue to post things and I'll, I'll move on for a moment here. Two, two thoughts here briefly and then... Then we'll chat in our little breakout rooms. Firstly, there's a humility here, isn't there? I think what he's talking about is a humility. Um, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus likens small, or gives the example of small children and their um, the spirit that we should have, similar to theirs. I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So we've got a humility there. And the child here is, is dependent on the mother. There's a humility, as he says, I've quieted myself. He's become more humble. I think the other thing that uh, we might think about is the solution to, to our pride and our demanding nature and to acquire that contentment is to be aware of God's presence and strength. To be aware of God's presence and strength. A quick example from the life of David. When David's, David, this is a psalm of David. And I would suggest that, I don't, I, this psalm seems to me to be more characteristic of his early life than his later life, if you know the life of David. That he, um, he struggled more with pride later in his life. And perhaps many of us, as we get older, do. I don't know, but uh, hopefully not. Later in his life, You'll know, I, we won't talk about the story now, but you know the story of Bathsheba. And he saw Bathsheba, he wanted her, he got her. He, he was a 
responsible for murder and adultery and all kinds of terrible things. And he needed Nathan to correct him. But it seems there he was more aware of Bathsheba and what he wanted than he was of God. He lacked his awareness of God. He wasn't aware of God. Whereas earlier in his life, he was aware of God. In 1 Samuel 17, we had the situation with David and Goliath. Goliath, the huge giant, David, just an ordinary sized shepherd boy. Uh, Goliath with all of his armor and battle experience and all the armies of the Philistines behind him. David with the cowering army of, of Israel, too afraid to attack. And a bunch of brothers who were uh, negative about him. But, he, but David was aware of God. It says in 1 Samuel 17, 37, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hands of this Philistine. So Saul, who he's talking to, says, Well, go, and the Lord be with you. He's aware of God's strength. And he says to the Philistine when he goes to battle him in verse 45, You come out to me with sword and spear and javelin. You have a lot of stuff. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down, cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in heaven. All those gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or the spear, the material things, that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So David here is content with the strength of God in him, rather than being worried about what he doesn't have in terms of armor, sword, spear. Yes, he did have his sling. And yes, he was amazingly skillful with that sling. But still, who would you rather be in that fight? Personally, I think I'd rather be Goliath than David on a material level. But he was content because he knew of the presence of God and the power of God. This is what enables us to be content. All right, I'm going to stop my sharing for a minute here. I'm going to break us into breakout rooms for 10 minutes and bring us back together in 10 minutes. Please do think about um, what has spoken to you so far from this scripture and what we've talked about and, and uh, what helps you to be content, truly content. What helps spiritually help you be truly content? So Joy, we talked about how God doesn't give us everything we need so that we do not destroy ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're not, we're not safe with too much stuff, more than we need. Good point. Thank you. Uh, okay, anybody else want to pop anything in there? Anything you learned? Anything God spoke to you about? About contentment. Please feel free to pop something in there. Talked about practicing gratitude. Okay, the, the practice of gratitude helps to sustain contentment. Hmm. John and Lynn, thank you. Every, entering God's rest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> entering God's rest is contentment. That's right. He is enough. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Leon Sarah. We talked about the difficulty of being content about the things we have control over ourselves. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard to be content. There's no question about it. This is not an easy thing. It's a challenge for life. Simon, being happy with what God has given us. We sometimes forget how much he has given us and how generous he's been. Hmm. Okay.
Okay, and everybody there. Humility is God's gift to us that helps us recognize when we're not being content. Mm. Mm. Yes. Stockdale's we learn that contentment and mercy can come in the midst of turmoil. Mm. Yeah, God is awesome. Yeah. They come in the midst of turmoil. We don't have to wait for the storm to pass. Jesus is asleep in the boat during the storm when the waves are coming over the side of the boat into the boat. And presumably he's getting wet asleep and he's still asleep in the boat in the storm. Hmm. Thanks for the insight from Beatrice. Okay. Excellent. We talked about the link between hope and contentment. Yeah, the, these two are very tightly con connected. Hope and contentment. Richard, having a healthy understanding of reward. God is our reward, our very great reward. With this understanding, any ambitious pursuit with its reward is built with that understanding. Right, he is our reward. Other rewards are bonus, you could say. Not, we don't have to have other rewards other than the reward of God himself. Ken, deriving peace of mind at moments when you give to those in need. Okay, having peace during that. Good, thank you. Maybe one more and I'll wrap up and we'll take communion. Anybody got something burning to share with us? Okay. Thanks, everybody. This is one of those things we're going to continue to learn about. Um, oh yeah, the last one. Okay. We talked about the pursuit of contentment being an active thing and being more important in different times of lives than others, as sometimes discontent can drive us to change things we need to. Yeah, there can be a creative discontentment, for sure. That's what drives a lot of it, drove a lot of us to God in the first place, a discontentment, to find a contentment that only God can provide. Uh, let me share a couple of last things. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says this, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. See why? See the reason he gives there is very important. It's not be content with what you've got because God's given it to you and that's the end of it like some kind of um, just rule. But he gives a because. The reason we can be, be content with what we already have is that God has said, never will I leave you never will I forsake you. So his presence is with us always. Never leave us, never forsake us. Therefore, we can be content with what we already have. So important, that principle. I'm going to finish by sharing, and then we'll take communion. I'm going to share uh, an illustration from a book, which um, I'm just going to show you on the screen. So if you're listening to the audio later, never mind. I'll put it in the show notes, I suppose. I read this book the last couple of days called The Pressures Off by Larry Crabb. And the essence of the book is that the pressure is off us as Christians, not because God blesses us, but because God is our blessing. And that's a really important distinction. The pressure is off a Christian to, to perform in life, to be, get value from the things in, of life. The pressure is off us not because of the blessings God gives us or will give us, but because God is our blessing. And that's, that's all that really matters. And he talks about two ways of living according to the flesh and according to the spirit. So I shall show you. Let's see if I can get this on screen in an adequate way. This is my will be done. Right, that's the core attitude. I'm going to be with you, God, as long as. 
That, right? that's, the, that's the Christian way of living according to the flesh. We can even as Christians live according to the flesh in a sense in our relationship with God. All right, turn the page and we come to a better way to live according to the Spirit. Right, Stefan, ready for your second... Uh, second uh, uh, let me get this in the... Can, is that... Yep. Yep. All right? Okay. The new... Isn't that a better way to live? Isn't that actually beautiful? I mean, that's the way I, I, I want to live. I want to live that way. I live to know Christ. I come to him to celebrate his glory. I will trust his provision. I expect thereby to become more like Jesus. And my attitude is thy will be done. Uh, this, this is the way of freedom. This is freedom in Christ. And this is what we need. And this is what Jesus came to give us. This experience of this freedom, this contentment that only comes from him. So we're going to take communion in a moment. And part of the reason for taking communion is to remember what Jesus did for us and the cost of giving us this freedom and this contentment. Jesus's life was hard. No way around that. His life was almost unimaginably hard compared to most of us, and especially when you think about the cross. But he lived with a peace that was attractive. Crowds followed him. He lived with a joy that meant that people were curious about what that was about. And he had a relationship with the Father that was one of complete willing obedience. And as a result, he went to the cross content that God was doing something good. Uh, this is mind-boggling if you think about it from a human perspective. Jesus went to the cross content, knowing that God had in mind something good to come from it. So we take bread and wine now to celebrate the fact that we share in that contentment. We have access to that contentment, that hope, because of what Jesus has done for us. So this, the bread we have um, um, uh, is, is a, an element representing his body, and the wine represents his blood. Body broken, blood shed, so that we could live a life of peace and contentment whilst we go through the trials of life. Let's pray together.